Is anyone here this morning wearing something that they got for Christmas? Anyone wearing some jewelry, some clothes? Awesome, fantastic. Uh, I happen to be wearing uh, my new shirt that Casey got me for Christmas. We thought we'd try plaid out and see how uh, that looks on me. So, uh, yeah, this is my new Christmas shirt. And uh, are you wearing the diamonds that I... Yeah, uh, no, maybe not. Okay, so um, it's, uh, it's great to see you. And I, I, listen... I know that a Christmas is officially over, like a couple of days ago, you know, we, uh, we unwrapped the presents and that was the end of Christmas, but I don't know about you, I'm just not really ready for it to be completely over yet. So we've still got the decorations up in our home, uh, we've got the decorations here up on the, the stage, our Christmas trees, and we were doing a series that led us all the way up to Christmas called All I Want for Christmas, and I, I want to just finish off that series this morning. So we've got one more, and uh, the title of this morning's uh, message is Instructions Included. Because have you ever played uh, a board game, and um, you've pulled it out, and you're really excited? Maybe you got a board game for Christmas, and you were super excited to try this new game out as a family, and, and you get the instructions out, and they're like a small novel. You're like, seriously? Like, I've got to read all of this before I play this game? But I, I think that's probably as bad as that is. That's not as bad as when you pull one of those games out of your closet that you haven't played for a while, and the instructions are missing. That's even worse, isn't it? When you pull that game out and then you're just trying to think, well, I think we do this. No, I think if you get a two, this, and you're just kind of making it up and then arguments ensue because no one really remembers how to play the game. Or maybe the instructions are there, but you've just kind of adapted them over time. That happened to uh, our family just recently. We were playing the, the, uh, the infamous game of Toss Your Cookies, which I'm sure you're all very familiar with, uh, one of Emma's favorite games. And uh, there came a point of the game where everyone was meant to toss the cookies in the middle, and we all switched them, and we grabbed the different. And I was like, that's not how it goes. We've never played that way. And we all started debating as to what was right and what was wrong. And uh, so we got the instructions out, and it turned out that I was wrong, and Emma was right. So that was a, uh, a great day in the, uh, the Jane household. But, um, but those instructions are pretty important. So th- this series that we've been doing, it kind of um, has spanned over the last few weeks. And, and we've talked about this idea, all I want for Christmas. And we've been looking at different toy kind of related ideas. And this morning I wanted to look at the idea of um, instructions included. Because what we've done is we've talked about some different characters from the Christmas story. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke about uh, Mary, and then last Sunday, we talked about the shepherds, and I just didn't want to finish out this Christmas story without mentioning the wise men. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about the wise men, but more importantly, we're going to, as we look at that story, kind of see how it could apply to our lives today under this whole theme of instructions included. So before we get into talking about the wise men this morning, I wanted to just um, dispel a few uh, misconceptions, a few myths about the story of the wise men. Because we probably all think, oh, I know the story of the wise men. I know how the the Christmas story goes. But you'll be amazed at how some of the things that you thought were, were in the Bible aren't actually there. Like, for example, it doesn't say anywhere that the wise men rode camels. And yet when you picture the wise men, do you picture them all sitting on top of camels? Because that's kind of the pictures we see, isn't it, on the Christmas cards, and that's very often the the way they'll look in your nativity sets. But nowhere in the Bible does it say that they rose camels. Do you know what? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that there were three of them. We always assume, don't we, that there were, there were these three wise men. In actual fact, there were three gifts that are spoken of, but it never says how many came. We just know that there were, there were a lot of them, or there was more than one of them. 
Because Matthew, when he talks about them, he uses a plural word. It's a Greek word, and it's the word magi, okay? Um, I think we've got it up there on the screen, magi, okay? And um, in preparation for my message this week, I spent a lot of time like researching this word. I was online, I was on dictionary websites, because I wanted to really make sure that I pronounced this word correctly, because is it magi, magi, maggi? You know, I, I wanted to really make sure, and halfway through my research to figure out how to pronounce this word, I thought, what am I doing? I'm the guy that says garage and aluminium. Since when have I ever really been too concerned about how the correct way is to pronounce a word? So, so if anyone ever asks you how this word is pronounced, you can say, well, you know what? Dave Jane, the pastor at our church, he says it's pronounced magi. But to be honest, 50% of what he says is pronounced weird anyway. So who knows if that is the way it really is. But for the purpose of this morning, we're going to call them the magi. Okay? So Matthew talks about these people. And... Um, what magi are, are are wise men. So we, we've, sometimes we've come onto this misconception that they were kings. We've heard the song, We Three Kings, or we maybe see them on the Christmas card wearing crowns. But in actual fact, what magi were, were astronomers or astrologers. And Matthew just tells us that they were from the east. So that's probably somewhere like Babylonia or Persia back in those days. So what this means, and I was studying this as I was preparing for this message, these guys traveled about 900 miles to find Jesus. That's a long way to travel in Bible times. By foot, maybe riding camels, we don't know, but, but they traveled a long way to come and find Jesus. That would be like us traveling from here to New York City by foot. You know, the final misconception, and you may be aware of this, but the, the final misconception that often crops up when we're talking about these wise men, these magi, is that they were there in the stable with the shepherds as that baby was born. You see, the truth is that they didn't actually arrive to see Jesus till a long time after he was born. Some actually, some Bible scholars say it could have been up to two years later. So Jesus could have been two years old by the time these, these wise men arrived to see him. So you have my permission from now on. If you see that nativity set and the shepherds are there and the wise men are there together, you've got my permission. Now you can just kind of scoot the wise men away a little bit. Okay, just kind of, they could be on their way. They're just not right there. Okay, maybe you get some smaller wise men. So it looks like they're off in the distance and they're, they're coming, you know. So, so just kind of move them off to the side because the wise men, they weren't there at the birth of Jesus, but they did come to visit this young Jesus. So now that we've dispelled a few maybe misconceptions that we thought we knew about the wise men, let's read about what Matthew does tell us about this interaction with these wise men, how they got there and what happened when they arrived. And interestingly enough, Matthew is the only gospel writer that tells the story of the magi, of the wise men. So let's read about what he says. <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, he says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. 
Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child, where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Because although Herod had said, hey, listen, when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him, Herod's plans really were to kill this potential threat, this future king. So the wise men, having been alerted to this, went a different way. So this morning, I want us to look at the wise men. I want us to think about their journey, think about what it was that guided them from this, this far-off land in the east, you know, a thousand miles away. What would, what would compel them to make that journey to come and see this infant Jesus? And more importantly, I want to look at how that can impact our lives, the journey that we find ourselves on this morning, whether we are journeying, journeying towards Jesus or whether we've had an encounter with Jesus and now we're journeying our lives uh, with him by our side. How does the wise men's journey parallel with ours? And the first thing I think we have to do is think about this particular journey. We don't know much about it. We know they came from the east and we know it was a long way to come. And we see the pictures on the Christmas cards of these kingly figures sat on top of camels, you know, very stately and looking all together. But the reality is that was a long journey that they went on to see Jesus. There's actually a, a poet by the name of T.S. Eliot, a very famous poet, and uh, he actually wrote a poem called The Journey of the Magi. And I'm going to read a little portion of it because I like the way he portrays this because obviously he's using some artistic license here to imagine what that journey would be like. But I think this is probably somewhat what it was like for those wise men. <clears throat> he says, a cold coming we had of it. Just the worst time of the year for a journey and such a long journey. The way's deep and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter. And the camels galled, sore-footed, refractory, lying down in the melted snow. There were times we regretted the summer palaces on slopes, the terraces, and the silken girls bringing sherbet. Then the camel men cursing and grumbling and running away and wanting their liquor and women. And the night fires going out and the lack of shelters and the cities hostile, and the towns unfriendly, and the villages dirty and charging high prices. A hard time we had of it. At the end, we preferred to travel all night, sleeping in snatches, with the voices singing in our ears, saying, this was all folly. Now, maybe this morning you're, you know, not into poetry, but I think that this poet here does a really good job of kind of describing what that journey might have been like. You see, I don't think it was some leisurely, stately procession. I think it was probably a difficult journey that they made. I just have to wonder if many times they, they probably felt like turning back to the comforts of where they'd come from. 
When it says the city's hostile and the town's unfriendly, that's actually historically accurate. Magi, you see, were respected in their own land, but not in Jesus. See, the Magi were considered pagans to the Jewish people. They were outsiders and considered to be heathen and untrustworthy. So even if they did look noble in how they dressed, they would have been eyed at that time in that area with suspicion and disdain as foreigners and infidels the closer they got to the place where Jesus was born. And I have to wonder if all along the way they were, they were thinking, this is all folly. This is stupid. What were we thinking? Imagine how long that journey was. How long would it take you if you set off today to walk to New York City all that way wondering, is this really what we should be doing? Is this star really what we should be following? So before we talk about the wise men and and what they went through and how it can apply to our lives this morning, as I was thinking about that journey, I wanted to just ask you this morning, do, do you ever feel like that? Do you find yourself sometimes thinking, man, I want to turn back. This Christmas, we've talked about finding peace and joy and hope. But maybe this Christmas, it's provided none of that for you. I actually just spoke to a gentleman this morning who was sharing how his family Christmas wasn't full of the the love and the joy and the hope that Christmases should be. It was with extended family, and there was a lot of conflict. And I wonder when we find ourselves, especially if we're here this morning, we're a follower of Jesus, and we find ourselves in that situation, if we question if this really is the best journey to be on. Maybe there were times when the wise men thought about turning back, and maybe there are times here for you this morning when you've had the same thought yourself. If that's where you are, I want you to take heart this morning because this message is for you. And you know what? If that's not where you are, if right now your spiritual journey is moving right along in a great way, then this is for you too. Because following Jesus can very often mean adversity and struggle. Sooner or later, the, the temptation to turn back will come along. So I think if, if you're not here needing to hear this right now, there could be a time where you do need to hear this. Because the wise men continued on in their journey and finally reached their destination and discovered King Jesus. You know, we're all familiar with the fact that when the wise men um, arrived, they, uh, they didn't come empty-handed, did they? They came bearing gifts. But this morning, I want to talk to you not about the gifts that they gave to Jesus. I want to speak about the gifts that God wants to give to you. See, God has gifts that he wants to lavish you with. Now, with it being Christmas time, I would imagine that some of us are thinking of the the greatest gift that God could ever give, and that's his son, Jesus. And that is really the greatest gift that God has ever given us, but it's not the only gift that God has ever given us. It's not the only gift that God wants to continue in giving us. I want to talk about another gift this morning, and that's the gift of grace. You see, when we read in the Bible, we find out that God's given us this gift of grace. Now, if you're familiar with that term, you'll you'll think of forgiveness of sins. Because when we think of grace, that's kind of what we think about. But it's more than just that. You see, when the Bible talks about grace, it uses a Greek word. And that word's charis, K-A-R-I-S. And charis literally means a gift. That means that, that grace, when we read about it, it's a gift from God. It's something that God can give us that he can do for us that we can't do ourselves. 
So that comes in the, 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 the way of forgiveness. Paul, he's writing to the, the church in Ephesus, and he's talking about grace. He says, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And he goes on to explain that. He says, listen, this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. That is great news for all of us this morning, that God wants to give us this gift of grace. Because just in case you didn't know, forgiveness of sin is a gift. There's nothing that any one of us, no one thing that any one of us can ever do that will forgive just one of the things that we do wrong. We can't earn forgiveness. We can't deserve forgiveness. We can only receive it through faith in Jesus as a gift. And God wants to give us that gift of grace. But that's not the only gift God wants to give us. He wants to give us this grace, but it comes in so many different forms. You know, this is just kind of the weird way my mind works, but I was thinking about it this week and these, these gifts that God wants to bless us with. And I thought about, you know, the scene in the Hunger Games. Have you seen it where they're out in the middle of the, the, the terrible, you know, battlefield and suddenly the little parachute drops down and there's these gifts that come that just sustain them a bit longer. And I, I'm sure God's gifts are much better than that. But that was kind of the, the image I had in my mind. You know, we, we find ourselves struggling along in our journey and, and God wants to bless us with these gifts, these gifts of grace. And what I really want to talk about this morning in the context of grace and, and looking at these wise men and their journey is the idea that when it comes to grace, God wants to give us the gift of guidance. It's not just about the forgiveness of sins. It's not just about sending Jesus. God actually wants to give us this precious gift, the gift in our lives of guidance. Because you see, just like a game that's missing its instructions, as frustrating as that can be to pull out a board game that you've not played in a long time, only to discover that the instructions are missing, that's not the way the game was designed. The game was designed to have instructions that tell you how to get the most out of that game. Every one of you was designed with instructions how to get the most out of the life that God has given you. You weren't designed to exist without instructions, just kind of making it up as you go along and, and hoping for the best. God wants to guide you in your life. So we're going to look at the wise men, how God guided them, and we're going to tie in with our lives this morning, how he wants to guide us. And, and the first way is that God's grace is given to us, the gift of guidance from Scripture. God wants to bless us with these gifts we need to make it through life on this spiritual journey that we're on. Now, for the wise men, it wasn't Scripture, but God still guided them. Matthew tells us that God gave the wise men a star, and that that star led them to the country that Jesus would be born in. It led them all the way to Jerusalem. You see, the wise men didn't figure this out on their own. They didn't, you know, um, just have a hunch and start walking in the general direction. They saw a star in the sky, and they walked towards it. God gave them this gift of guidance to lead them to where Jesus would be found. And in just the same way, the, the Bible that we have today to read is like a star in our lives. God gives it to us as a gift that we can guide our lives and, and, and navigate our lives by it. Listen to what it says in Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you're struggling today in your journey, or maybe in the future you find yourself struggling, I think we just need to ask ourselves, am I looking for God's guidance in the Bible? 
If I want to find the plan God has for my life, I need to be looking in this book. Because you see, it's, it'll be like that star. It'll guide you in your life. And I want to challenge you. You know, we, when, you, when you pick up the Bible, pray, say, God, I don't want to just read this because I know it's the right thing to do or I really feel like I should do or I feel guilty. I want to read this because I believe that you can guide my life through it. You can give me direction in how to live, how to get the most. This, it's like, these are the instructions right here to get the most, the best use of this, this particular journey that I'm upon. So pray, ask God to guide you. And you won't get specific direction every time you open it, but it will guide you. God wants to guide you through the scripture and just the same way as he guided the wise men. In Matthew 2.2, 2, it says that we saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. The, the wise men, they saw the star and they guided themselves towards it. And I think as you read the scriptures, it'll become like a guide in your life. As you, as you start to read it, you'll, you'll discover things that will help you um, navigate through difficulties in life. And as you read it on a, a regular basis, you'll start to find that you'll, you'll approach circumstances in life and, and you'll recall something you read in the scriptures or you'll remember something that you read of the life of Jesus and it will help you navigate through that circumstance. Because God wants to, to, to use the scriptures to be like this star that guides us in our life. So he's given us the gift of guidance from scripture. But that's not the only way that God wants to guide you this morning. You know, as I'm thinking about this, I, I, maybe you're like me, maybe we're coming towards the end of the year and you're starting to think of some, some New Year's resolutions for 2015. And, and I really think that what I'm sharing today for some of us could be a really great resolution. We could say, you know, 2015 is going to be the year where I'm really going to start diving more into the Bible. I'm going I'm to try and make a habit now of, of reading the Bible more often. And don't set the goal too high. You know, maybe it's just a chapter or two a day, but, but just to really aim to start on a regular basis seeking God in the Scripture because that is just one of the ways that God wants to guide you. But there's another way that we discover here from the wise men. The second is that his grace comes in the gift of guidance from others. You see, it says, when they arrived in Jerusalem, because you've got to realize, and, and you know, I, I've learned so much more just even these last couple of weeks preparing this message, just reading through about the wise men. So the star brought them to Jerusalem, but when they arrived, they weren't sure where to go from there. So it says that they went to King Herod, and they said, hey, listen, we've been following this star for a thousand miles. I mean, we've come a long way because this star led us to this city. We believe that this is where the king was born. So can you help us find him? And they go to Herod, and it says that Herod gathered the religious leaders, and they consulted with one another, and they determined that the prophets had said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. So the king's spiritual advisors, they told the wise men then to head for Bethlehem. So that's the next piece that God uses to guide these wise men. And I want to challenge you here this morning. If you're struggling in your journey, do you have people around you who know God well enough to give you guidance and direction in your journey? You see, following Jesus, I believe, is meant to be a team sport. 
I don't think it's just about us coming on Sunday and, and sitting for an hour here and then going off alone and just hoping we figure it out. I think God designed the church and designed other followers of Jesus for us to be in relationship with so that not only do we have the scriptures to guide us in our journey, we have other followers of Jesus who if we will interact with them, if we'll do life with them, they too can help us guide, can help guide us in the right direction. When the wise men arrived, it was the religious leaders of the time who guided them in the next step of their journey. I can't tell you how many times I've been at intersections in my life or, or turning points or, or um, important decisions in my life and it's been through the counsel of a, a mentor or, or someone who um, you know, I, I trust and respect, who I have a great relationship with, who is also maybe a follower of Jesus or, or a pastor and I've sat with and I've shared what I'm going through and, and they've spoken wisdom into my life and they've helped guide me and help counsel me. There have been other times for Casey and I, where it might be a small group. We've, uh, through most of our Christian lives, for all of our married lives, we've, we've been in small groups of, of one form or another. And there have been different times where, because of that relationship with other followers of Jesus, it's kind of guided us. Right now we're in a small group, and, and it's great. We're with other couples who are parents, and, and we're going through this study together about parenting. And, and it's brilliant, because not only are we hearing some great teaching and reading some great scriptures, but then together we're sat as, as different parents and different stages of the journey from different backgrounds and different upbringings. And we're saying, hey, how do you do this? What do you do when your son does You know, and together we're, we're kind of helping guide one another through this, this difficult journey. And I say that because I want to really challenge you because we've got some exciting news coming up in 2015. Next Sunday morning, um, we'll be introducing here on the stage a brand new couple, a husband and wife who are coming to join us here at Connect for the next 18 months. The names are Josh and Katie Burnett. And we are super excited that they're coming to join us. So I met Josh um, earlier in the year at a, a conference, and, and he is a, a young man who um, is working at a church right now, but is really feeling God kind of leading him and directing him to plant a church of his own. But he's never done anything like this before, so he's kind of anxious, and, and this is new for his wife as well. So rather than just jump straight into planting a brand new church, he wants to come and, and just spend time on staff of a church plant so he could learn. So for the next 18 months... Through the middle of 2016, Josh and Katie are going to be with us here. And they're going to be learning what it's like to plant a church. And I'm going to help them because all the things I've done wrong, they're going to be able to do right. And there were a lot of them. So they're going to learn an awful lot with their time with us. But, but we've talked, Casey and I, with them and said, well, listen, guys, we're thrilled that you're here. And we're thrilled that you're you know, going to learn all about planting churches. But while you're here, there's some great responsibilities here at Connect that we want you to take on. We don't want you to just sit in the shadows and watch. We want you to get involved. We're gonna, um, and I don't want to just say, hey, Josh, help me with this, help me with this. I want to say, hey, Josh, you see this? That's yours. Make it happen. And he's going to build some new areas and help us as we continue to grow as a church. And one of those areas that we know needs someone to really focus time and energy into is, is our small groups. So Josh is going to take that and he's going to help us recruit new small group leaders and look for people who are willing to house a small group in their house. And then he'll be up here and we'll be making an announcement saying, hey, it's time to, to join a small group. And I want to challenge you. Maybe 2015 is the year that you say, okay, we're going to, we're going to join a small group. That would be good for us as a, as a family. That would be good for me as an individual to meet with people my age and, and connect together in a small group. That would be good for us as a um, 
parents here or um, young married couples, wherever you find yourself and, and connect with other followers of Jesus here as Connect. We love that we're growing, but we don't want to grow at the expense of relationship. We want you to find a place where you can connect and fit in. Because just like the wise men, we'll come to these points where, where the Bible's great and it'll guide us in our lives, but sometimes we need some, some counsel, we need some interaction with other followers of Jesus. And that's what happened with the wise men. The star brought them to Jerusalem, but once they arrived there, it was the interaction with the religious leaders that helps them get on the next step of their journey. So after this encounter with the religious leaders, they knew that the next place to go was Bethlehem. So off they go towards Bethlehem. And here's the most amazing part. And I'll be honest with you, this was kind of a revelation to me as I was preparing this message. I hadn't noticed this before. So if I share this and you're like, wow, I've never noticed that before, join the club. So um, it says that the next part of the wise men's journey in Matthew chapter 2 verse 9 says this. They went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now we've probably all heard that before. I know I have. But this time as I was working on this message, I saw something that I'd never seen before. Do you notice there how far the star got them the first time? Where it had taken them to? In the first part of Matthew chapter 2, it says that the star took them to Jerusalem, just kind of the general area of Jesus' birth. We learn that once they got there, they asked around and they were guided towards Bethlehem. But then what happens? In verse 9 that I just read, it says, Now the star is leading them right to the place where Jesus was born. It's almost like the star reappeared and becomes more precise in guiding them to Jesus' birthplace. And I had to wonder, why didn't that just happen in the first place? Why not just have the star like right slap bang over the place they needed to go? Why didn't they just take them straight to Jesus? You know why? I don't know. Matthew doesn't say. But I think it's because this is sometimes how God guides us. Sometimes there's a, a general direction and God's, you know, we're, we're, we're followers of Jesus and through our reading of the scriptures, through talking to one another, there's a general direction. Um, but sometimes there can be a specific moment, something can happen in our lives and God's guidance can be very, very specific. In my life, that hasn't happened very often, but there have been a few occasions, a, a crucial turning points in my life where it's like the star was just shone right above the house. It's like God was saying, this, Dave, is the plan. And my prayer is that now that you're aware of how God works, that, that you'd be looking for those moments. That you, you'd believe that. You'd be expecting that. Looking for those opportunities where God might significantly direct you in a certain area of your life. You know, I can think of when I was preparing the message, I was trying to think of a, a practical example, and probably the most recent one happened to, to Casey and I fairly recently. It was just, just a little over two years ago. I was on staff at a, a church in Peoria. I was the associate pastor of a great church in Peoria, and I was loving it. It was a great job. I had some specific responsibilities that I really enjoyed. We were living here in Washington, and, and we just loved this church that we were a part of, and um, it was just, everything was great. 
And I felt like God was guiding me through scripture. He'd give me specific um, leading in how to be a dad and a, a husband and, and in the ministry position that I found myself in, how to lead and what I was meant to be doing. And as I read the scriptures, as I was in small groups, you know, we were, we were kind of learning from other people and I was still meeting with mentors who were guiding me as a, as a follower of Jesus. So, so those first two things, you know, everything was moving great. And then suddenly out of the blue, I find myself one day in in the office of of my boss, the lead pastor at this church. And it was just a random conversation. And this is very often how those star moments happen. You just never see them coming. And here we are in this this conversation. And we're talking about my future. And I was really quite happy as the associate pastor there. I enjoyed all the roles. He said, have you ever thought about... um, you know, leading a church in your own right, finding a way, you know, where you could lead. I was like, no, I'm good here. I'm, I'm doing fine, you know. And, and I felt that God had, had given me some gifting and some calling, and, and I was quite happy where I was at. But he says, you know what, Dave? I think you should. I think you should really pray about that. I, I see something in you that, that maybe you could lead in your own right somewhere. I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But we went away, Case and I, we started praying. And, and as we started praying, it was like the only thing we could think of. The only, because I was thinking, well, maybe I should go and join another church somewhere. Or maybe I should do this or that. Or that. But the only thing we kept coming back to was this idea of, man, if we could do anything, it would be to start something in Washington. Wouldn't it be great if we could start a church here in Washington? I may have shared this story before, but we had friends and neighbors who we got to know over the years that we lived here. And we would say, you know, a, a lot of them were, were, were families and friends who didn't attend church. We desperately wanted them to, to know the same Jesus that had changed our lives. So we'd say, hey, you should come to church with us. Oh, yeah, I, I might do that. Where is it? It's in Peoria. Oh, that's so far away. Yeah, I don't know if I can go all the way to Peoria on a Sunday. I'm like, it's in this state, you realize, okay? It's just the other side of the river. I'm not talking about the one in Arizona. I'm talking about Peoria, Illinois, you know. I don't know. And this stirring kind of grew within us of, you know, if we can't get friends and loved ones in our community, that maybe we could start the church here. And it was like that moment was the beginning. It was like the seed was planted. And, and it just, as I was preparing my message, it still just blows me away to think, and here I am standing here today, and that seed has, 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 has sprouted, has, has taken growth. And you find yourselves here this morning because of a conversation that I had in this guy's office two or three years ago. And it was like a star that was just shining down. It was just a significant moment. And my hope and prayer is that you will discover those moments in your life where whether it's a a change of career or just a change of thinking or or, uh, just whatever it may be, that there's a moment where God's, you're just, as you're pursuing him, it's like he's guiding you and it's like that star just shining right above where he wants you to be. However God guides you, there's one conclusion we can come to as we read about the wise men. He guided them to Jesus. God is wanting to guide you to Jesus. You know, their journey, as long and arduous as it was, it culminated in them meeting Jesus, the Messiah. The gifts they bought were prophetic of the destiny that this baby had. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And as I was studying for this message, I discovered that gold was the gift that you would give a king. Frankincense was the incense that they burned in ceremonial worship of God. It was a gift that acknowledged the divinity, the Godhood of Jesus. 
And you know, myrrh was a sweet-smelling perfume that was used in those days to prepare bodies for burial. Now, obviously, embalming stuff is not the usual baby shower gift that you want to receive, but I think it, it foreshadowed in that moment the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. It was like a picture of who this infant was, who he would be, and what he would one day do for all of us. And in just the same way, the journey that God has us on, I think he wants to guide us to Jesus. You know, there are some of you here this morning, um, and you've not yet discovered him. Maybe you're back for the second, third, fourth time, but you've not yet kind of taken that step of faith and, and asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. But, but almost like the wise men, you can sense this guiding that's taking place. It's like, it's like there's this, this journey that you're on, and it just seems that everything is pointing you in a certain direction. You come back again and again, and it's, it's drawing you because God's plan is to have you, like the wise men, on a journey that will guide you towards Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you, you have discovered him. And like the wise men when they encountered Jesus in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, it says, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Maybe that's you this morning. You have discovered Jesus. You've bowed down and you've worshipped him. And now as God guides you, it's on your continuing journey to learn more about Jesus and how he can impact your life. But here's my closing challenge for you this morning. As we wrap up this whole Christmas series, as we come to the end of 2014 and we start to kind of set some New Year's resolutions for 2015, in light of this wonderful gift that God has given us, the idea that he wants to guide us, that the instructions are included, here's my closing challenge to you. Imagine what it must have been like for those magi when they first saw that star when they first had that inclination that that's pointing towards something big, something special is gonna happen. They had no idea what that journey would be like. They had no idea how long it would be, how far it'd be, what the conditions would be. But when they saw that star, something moved them enough to wanna give up the comforts of their palace, the familiarities of their home, and embark upon what was going to become a long, uncomfortable, and treacherous journey in search of the king. This morning, you've seen the star. You've learned that God has a gift that he wants to give to you. And that gift is his guidance. And I'd love to promise you here this morning that in following the guidance that he has for your life, it will be problem-free. But that's not the case. In fact, for some, it may actually be the opposite. You know, we sang that song this morning, the second song we sang, and we sing it a lot. And it's, um, it's, there's a line that we sing. It says, you make all things work together for my good. Because the idea of the song is, man, even during those hard times, I see God. I celebrate the fact that you can make all things work together for my good. Because the reality is that the road that guides us to Jesus is very often a difficult one. So my prayer for us all this morning as we enter 2015 is like the wise men, we will be compelled to follow it, no matter what, to leave our comfort zone, to allow God to guide us in a journey that will eventually bring us closer to Jesus. Can we pray? Father, very often we 
we look at the Christmas story, we've done this over the last few weeks, we've thought of the shepherds and Mary and the wise men, and we have these ideas of shepherds with fluffy sheep and Mary, you know, from this beautiful town and uh, these wise men, kingly figures on camels. But when we study deeper, we find that actually the story's a little bit different. The shepherds were kind of the outcasts of their society. Mary came from a, a town called Nazareth where it was said that nothing good could come from Nazareth. We discover that the wise men had a long and treacherous journey in order to bring those gifts to you. And Lord, I think as we look in detail at these stories, we can learn a little bit more about what it means to be a follower of you. And Father, the, the challenge for us all this morning is to realize that we are so grateful, God, that you've given us this wonderful gift, that you've given us guidance in our lives. Just like the wise men had the, the star to follow, you've given us the scripture to read, Lord. You've given us friends and loved ones who are followers of Jesus, who we can uh, connect with and chat with and, and learn more about you with. There are even times, Lord, where you significantly guide us, just like that star that shone right above the house in Bethlehem. There are times when significantly there'll be a, a, a milestone moment in our life. But we'll only experience those things, Lord, if we're willing to step out and say, God, no matter what the journey brings, I want to follow the star. So give us the courage, Lord, as we go into 2015 to say, God, I don't want to wander randomly through life. I don't want to just play the game without the instructions, God. I want to know what your plan is for my life. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to guide me through 2015. So no matter what that means, Lord, even if it's a treacherous journey like those, those magi embarked upon, God, that's the journey I want to go on. I want to encounter the king. So help us, Lord, as 2014 closes out, to make that commitment in our hearts and do what it takes next year to find your guidance, to follow, um, follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.